Chapter 9 of Charlotte Temple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Charlotte Temple by Susanna Rosen. Chapter 9 We Know Not What a Day May Bring Forth. Various were the sensations which agitated the mind of Charlotte during the day preceding the evening in which she was to meet Montreville. Several times did she almost resolve to go to her governess, show her the letter, and be guided by her advice. But Charlotte had taken one step in the ways of imprudence, and when that is once done, there are always innumerable obstacles to prevent the erring person returning to the path of rectitude. Yet these obstacles— however forcible they may appear in general, exist chiefly in imagination. Charlotte feared the anger of her governess. She loved her mother, and the very idea of incurring her displeasure gave her the greatest uneasiness. But there was a more forcible reason still remaining. Should she show the letter to Madame Dupont, she must confess the means by which it came into her possession— and what would be the consequence? Mademoiselle would be turned out of doors. "'I must not be ungrateful,' said she. "'Leroux is very kind to me. Besides, I can, when I see Montreville, inform him of the impropriety of our continuing to see or correspond with each other, and request him to come no more to Chichester.' However prudent Charlotte might be in these resolutions, she certainly did not take a proper method to confirm herself in them. Several times in the course of the day she indulged herself in reading over the letter, and each time she read it, the contents sunk deeper in her heart. As evening drew near, she caught herself frequently consulting her watch. "'I wish this foolish meeting was over,' said she by way of apology to her own heart. I wish it was over, for when I have seen him, and convinced him my resolution is not to be shaken, I shall feel my mind much easier. The appointed hour arrived. Charlotte and Mademoiselle eluded the eye of vigilance, and Montreville, who had waited their coming with impatience, received them with rapturous and unbounded acknowledgments for their condescension. He had wisely brought Belcour with him to entertain Mademoiselle, while he enjoyed an uninterrupted conversation with Charlotte. Belcour was a man whose character might be comprised in a few words, and as he will make some figure in the ensuing pages, I shall here describe him. He possessed a genteel fortune, and had a liberal education. Dissipated, thoughtless, and capricious, he paid little regard to the moral duties, and less to religious ones. Eager in the pursuit of pleasure, he minded not the miseries he inflicted on others, provided his own wishes, however extravagant, were gratified. Self, darling self, was the idol he worshipped, and to that he would have sacrificed the interest and happiness of all mankind. Such was the friend of Montreville. Will not the reader be ready to imagine 
that the man who could regard such a character must be actuated by the same feelings, follow the same pursuits, and be equally unworthy with the person to whom he thus gave his confidence? But Montreville was a different character, generous in his disposition, liberal in his opinions, and good-natured almost to a fault, yet eager and impetuous in the pursuit of a favorite object. He stayed not to reflect on the consequence which might follow the attainment of his wishes. With a mind ever open to conviction, had he been so fortunate as to possess a friend who would have pointed out the cruelty of endeavoring to gain the heart of an innocent, artless girl, when he knew it was utterly impossible for him to marry her, and when the gratification of his passion would be unavoidable infamy and misery to her, and a cause of never-ceasing remorse to himself, had these dreadful consequences been placed before him in a proper light, the humanity of his nature would have urged him to give up the pursuit. But Belcour was not this friend. He rather encouraged the growing passion of Montreville, and being pleased with the vivacity of Mademoiselle, resolved to leave no argument untried, which he thought might prevail on her to be the companion of their intended voyage. And he made no doubt, but her example, added to the rhetoric of Montreville, would persuade Charlotte to go with them. Charlotte had, when she went out to meet Montreville, flattered herself that her resolution was not to be shaken, and that, conscious of the impropriety of her conduct in having a clandestine intercourse with a stranger, she would never repeat the indiscretion. But alas, poor Charlotte! She knew not the deceitfulness of her own heart, or she would have avoided the trial of her stability. Montreville was tender, eloquent, ardent, and yet respectful. "'Shall I not see you once more,' said he, "'before I leave England? "'Will you not bless me by an assurance "'that when we are divided by a vast expanse of sea "'I shall not be forgotten?' "'Charlotte sighed. "'Why that sigh, my dear Charlotte? "'Could I flatter myself that a fear for my safety "'or a wish for my welfare occasioned it? "'How happy would it make me?' "'I shall ever wish you well, Montreville,' said she. "'But we must meet no more.' "'Oh, say not so, my lovely girl. "'Reflect that when I leave my native land, "'perhaps a few short weeks may terminate my existence. "'The perils of the ocean, the dangers of war.' "'I can hear no more,' said Charlotte, in a tremulous voice. I must leave you. Say you will see me once again. I dare not, said she. Only for one half hour tomorrow evening, tis my last request. I shall never trouble you again, Charlotte. I know not what to say, cried Charlotte, struggling to draw her hands from him. Let me leave you now. And you will come tomorrow said Montreville. Perhaps I may, said she. Adieu, then. I will live upon that hope till we meet again. 
he kissed her hand. She sighed an adieu, and catching hold of Mademoiselle's arm, hastily entered the garden gate. End of chapter 9 Recording by Susan Burke, SueBurkeVoice.com